0: Well, good morning, <clears throat> and good morning to those of you joining us online, if you're still with us, we hope that you are. Um, I'm wondering how many of you are feeling unusually tired uh, this morning. Um, some of us, we just start, haven't been sleeping well for lots of different reasons, but honestly, the news from this past week has been really heavy, unusually heavy. And I'm sure that it's affecting many of us in ways that we're actually not even aware. And it's maybe affecting some of our sleep. I just want to encourage each one of you to do whatever you need to do to take care of yourself this time. To get the rest that you're needing, to eat well, to be with friends, to laugh, to enjoy good music. Um, to get outside and enjoy the beauty, to do whatever you need to do in this season. It's pretty intense. And I just want to encourage you to take care of yourself. Yesterday, Beverly and I, we were, um, honestly, we were getting a little overwhelmed by the news. And as many of you probably are, and um, we just needed to get outside. Just get away from you know, the, what we were hearing. And so we just spent several hours doing fall gardening. Not necessarily our favorite thing to do in the world, but it, it, we needed it just to get outside and, and take care of some practical things. And, um, and it was really helpful. And we came back feeling a bit more refreshed, it really was helpful. Uh, of course... I know many of us are, certainly we are praying for this war in the Middle East. And as if that's not enough, right? There's been these multiple large earthquakes in Afghanistan that have killed many, well over a thousand people. There's, you know, in case we have forgotten, there's an ongoing conflict in Ukraine uh, and other places around the world. Bloodshed is is. Is occurring even within our own nation there's still lots of people who are homeless because of flooding and fires over this summer and and um, and we're praying for them and then we've got it not no editorial comments here don't read in into anything but we have divided political leaders right and, and, um, and we have that, that we're praying for as well. The list just goes on and on, doesn't it? Is anybody feeling tired? Anybody feeling tired? If you are, friends, it is completely understandable. There's nothing wrong with you. In fact, it just suggests that you're feeling what you ought to be feeling, and that's sorrow and sadness and lament and um and so it's it's uh it 's very understandable and this is actually a normally a difficult time of year for many people anyways, right with shorter daylight hours um, I know on campus things have really heated up right there 's a lot more work um, and um There's stress, you know, with some of our local colleges uh, that are making things more difficult. Um, We're heading, we will soon be heading into what we call the holiday season, and that brings a certain level of stress to many people. But when you add all of this on top of the global and the national news, it can just wear us out, even those of us with a lot of resilience it just wears out. And um, so I'm praying that we, um, the people who have been entrusted with the light and the hope of Christ, I'm hoping that we will not grow weary in doing good in this season. We want to continue to pray for God's kingdom to come and for His will to be done in and through us, on earth as it is in heaven. So let me, uh, let me also offer up a prayer for our time together in God's word as we um, finish up our series in Galatians 6. Let's pray. God, um, we need everything that you have for us today. Um, many of us are feeling depleted. Would you fill us, God, to overflowing, that there would be enough of you, God, to share with others. So teach us, we pray, by your word. Our hearts and our minds are open to the ways in which you want to speak to us this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, we've been, uh, for the last five weeks, we've been looking at the book of Galatians. And by now, uh, you know very well that this book has been written by the Apostle Paul. To several local churches in a region called Galatia, it's modern day Turkey. Um, And it was written to encourage uh, these younger believers up in that region um, to persevere in their faith in Jesus alone. He knew how important writing this letter was because of the opposition that they were experiencing. And that as a result, they were growing tired of both holding on to their faith in Christ and faithfully holding out their hope and this hope to others. I wonder as Paul was penning this or as the scribes were penning this on his behalf, I wonder if he knew how relevant his words were going to be to us nearly 2,000 years later. Just kind of wonder. God knew, God knew that we needed to hear the words over and over and over. Do not grow weary in doing good. So please read along as I read uh, the last chapter of the book of Galatians chapter 6 and I believe it will be up on the uh, screen and again I want to encourage you if you have your phone to pop the scripture up on your phone or take a bible that's near you and open it up to Galatians 6 because uh, we'll be referencing scripture and it won't always be up on the screen so if you can it'll probably help you to stay a little more engaged if you have it um up somehow electronically or or, uh, in your um, regular Bible up there. Okay, uh, Galatians 6. Brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently. But watch yourself, or you too may be tempted. Carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. If anyone thinks they are something when they are not, they deceive themselves. Each one should test their own actions. Then they can take pride in themselves alone without comparing themselves to someone else, for each one should carry their own load. Nevertheless, the one who receives instruction in the word should share all good things with their instructor. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Whoever sows to please their flesh from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the spirit from the spirit will reap eternal life. Let us not become weary in doing good. For at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people especially to those who belong to the family of believers. See what large letters I use as I write to you with my own hand. Those who want to impress people by means of the flesh are trying to compel you to be circumcised. The only reason they do this is to avoid being persecuted for the cross of Christ. Not even those who are circumcised keep the law. Yet they want you to be circumcised, that they may boast about your circumcision in the flesh. May I never boast, except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, through which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. Neither circumcision nor uncircumcision means anything. What counts is the new creation. Peace and mercy to all who follow this rule, to the Israel of God. From now on, let no one cause me trouble, for I bear on my body the marks of Jesus. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit, brothers and sisters, amen. Well, we've been in this book, uh, as I said, for the last five weeks, and um, so when when we think about the book of Galatians, there's only six chapters, but it might be helpful to think of it as having two large sections. There's many different ways that you could divide it up, but think about it as having just two large sections. It might be helpful to you. The first sections, we'll just say one to four, chapters one to four. Paul's primary um, focus in these chapters, if you might recall, is on what believers in Christ had been freed from. That's a good, helpful way to think about the first four chapters of Galatians. It's what believers in Christ had been freed from. You may recall this from chapter 3, which is a part of that section. For all who rely on the works of the law are under a curse as it is written. Cursed is everyone who does not continue to do everything written in the book of the law. And that's verse 10 of chapter 3. So Christians, Paul was saying, is they're free from this curse of trying to get right with God by observing all of these religious laws and traditions. Because Jesus, Paul uh, uh, contended, uh, when he willfully went to the cross and died on uh, that cross, he was the one who delivered us from this curse. He took it upon himself, the full brunt of the curse that we had been under. Uh, Paul very clearly says it this way in verse 13 of the same chapter of chapter 3. He says, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. So this is what Jesus accomplished when he took upon himself our sin and its penalty By his death on the cross. So, this was the emphasis, right, of the first four chapters in this book that the Galatians were free from religious rules and regulations, and so are we. Glory to God. (laughs) Glory to God. But then in chapter 5, there's this turn. And so the, the second section, this is simply chapters 5 and 6, where Paul's primary focus was on what believers in Christ had been freed for. Had been um, freed for. Chapter 5 begins with these words, and it's very clear that the turn occurs here. It is for freedom. That Christ has set us free. Couldn't be any more clear. It's, it's now for freedom that he's going to focus on um, in these chapters. <clears throat> it's for freedom that Christ set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burned again by a yoke of slavery. So Paul goes on and, on the, and celebrates this reality That we have been set free for freedom, freedom to serve, um, freedom to encourage one another and to build each other up. Uh, Ultimately, we could just say freedom to love, freedom um, for love. Uh, Paul sort of said it this way in this chapter, chapter 5, verse 13. He said, you, my brothers and sisters, who are called to be free. You were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh, rather serve one another humbly in love. This is what we now have been called uh, into and what we've been freed for. And may we not grow weary in the good work of loving and serving others. Amen. In In the first verse of Galatians 6, Uh, Paul says, brothers and sisters, which I just love the way in which he is so endearing. Sometimes he's pretty hard on them because he needs to be. But it's always clear in this letter that he loves them. If he's saying anything hard, it's because he loves them and he cares for them. So brothers and sisters, if anyone is caught in a sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently. But watch yourselves. Or you also may be tempted. If someone is caught in a sin. So we just need to be clear here that Paul is not referring to a person who, you know, like accidentally messes up. Like they look down their speedometer and wait, how long was that going 75 in a 40? I didn't know that, you know, or right. That's an accident. We want to we're gonna give them the benefit of the doubt. Or, you know, um <clears throat> Or just says the wrong thing at the wrong time. That's me all the time. Um, you know, so that's not what Paul's talking about. These accidental goof-ups, right? We all do that. Uh, really, what he's um, focusing on, is concern for the people who have been caught up um, or who have become ensnared by sin. That's the idea here uh, in this first verse. The word... Um, In the Greek, for getting caught in sin, is the same word that was used by everybody to describe when, like, a wild animal, whatever, got caught in a trap, got ensnared in a trap, uh, to the degree that they couldn't get out. Um, That's the word uh, that's used here. And this is the image that Paul used when describing a person who is caught in sin, And because they're unable to free themselves, Paul says they need the help of others. They need help. But notice um, his caution. Like, not everyone should jump into the trap and try to rescue. Not everyone should be quick to help. Uh, And not everybody is equipped to help. Paul said that only those who live, by the Spirit, should come to the aid of those in need of rescue. Why? right? Because Christians who live by the Spirit, these are mature Christians. So what Paul is saying, these are mature Christians. Um, and, and because of their maturity and because of their faith and because of their solid character if you will they're going to be less likely to get also trapped in the same trap they're going to be less likely um, to become ensnared in the same way and they're also going to become they're just going to be less likely to give up because oftentimes coming to the rescue of somebody is hard and it it takes a long time it's not easy and so these ones that are maturing Christ or who live by the Spirit, they're not going to grow weary. They're going to stick with it over the long haul in helping the person who needs help. Paul's instruction to those involved in restoring a person caught in sin is to do it how? Gently, It's to do it gently. And this word um, <clears throat> that's used here, gently, it's actually a medical term again, it's a word that would have been used quite frequently in in that time. Um, It's the same word that would be used, for instance, to setting a fractured bone so that it can heal and regain full strength and mobility. This is the idea of of restoring um, someone. So Jesus, um, not Jesus, Paul, is saying that um, right, just as Anyone would hope that a medical professional would um, gently care for the person in need. So would the spiritually mature among us uh, gently care for our brothers and sisters in need. Um, and that's the idea. The end of this verse makes it clear why it's so important that the spiritually mature not become careless with their actions and ad, um, ad, attitude. There's a word in my mind that I want to use: a right? cavalier. Not to become cavalier in doing this. Um, for even they, even the spiritually mature, and this happens too frequently. If they're not careful, they can fall into exactly that same trap. Even though they're not less, even though they're less likely to, they're not immune. Yes, we know this, right? Yeah. And this is true for all of us. This is why it's so important that we support and encourage one another, including those who are maybe have a reputation of being a bit more spiritually mature. We need to support and pray for them, because the work that God's calling them to is not always easy. I am going to take this moment, because so many of you have taken time out of your life to write a little review for me, a 360 review. And I just want to say thank you for everyone who has filled that out, who took the time to fill it out. I want to be clear that this process is one of the ways, one of the ways that we can encourage um, uh, our leaders. And it's one ways that we, as a leader, can, um, that I, for instance, can experience encouragement from you. Uh, And also, I can obviously receive helpful suggestions that speak into my leadership and into our leadership. So your prayers and your support and your honest feedback, they help us to grow, to not grow weary, right, in the good work that God has called us to. So thank you. Okay, let's move on to verse 2. We are lightning speed here. Verse 2. How are we doing? All right. Um, All right. So, carry each other. Obviously, I can't keep up this fast pace, so I'm going to have to slow down here eventually. Uh, Paul said in verse 2, Carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. Now... um, so the law of christ it it might be referring to all of the teachings of jesus that's recorded that's one possibility it also might be referring to the new command that jesus gave his disciples to love one another and we see that in john chapter 13 verse 34 and then paul uh, just in chapter 5 verse 14 also kind of refers to this new command that jesus gave so Uh, What specifically the law of Christ is referring to, Uh, I don't know, but probably having something to do with Jesus and his teachings, and it's all good. But we do know this, um, that the point of the law of Christ is that we are to help others who are struggling to carry one another's burdens. This is really clear that this is our mandate is to carry one another's burdens and that's for all of us. And yet I don't, doesn't it, isn't it mind boggling that so many people still carry their burdens alone? And and so like, why is that? Why is it that so many people suffer alone? I don't have all the answers, but Paul gives us a couple of reasons why this might be true in verses 3 to 5. Um, he gives two reasons why people fail to care well for others. In, um, he says this, If anyone thinks that there's something when they're not, they deceive themselves. Each one should test their own actions. Then they can take pride in themselves alone without comparing themselves to someone else. For each one should carry their own load. So Paul says, right, that one of the reasons why people don't care for other people is out of sheer arrogance. Sheer arrogance. They feel that caring for people in need is somehow below them. I'm going to let other people take care of that. I, I'm going to do the important work. And we see this played out all the time in our culture, in our work environments, um, to, the, to the point where it actually becomes normalized and even accepted, um, where certain people have certain tasks and they'll never do these tasks because that's below them. It's very common in our culture. but And we know this. That kind of attitude has no place in a church community like this one. Is that right? Yeah. Anyone, anyone with any title, with any resume, with any bank account balance, uh, of any age, with any responsibility, uh, anybody who thinks that they are somehow superior to anyone else is only fooling themselves. And probably in the process, making a fool of themselves. Another reason Paul gave for why some people may not care well for others is because they are overly fixated on comparing themselves um, and what they do to others and what others are doing. And this creates, this is a problem on multiple levels, but I'll just mention two of them because Paul does some, when they look at what others are doing, they determine that they're doing it better, which then only fuels their pride and their deception. That's a problem, (laughs) we would agree. But actually, I think for our community, um, there's a more common um, problem with this, and that's when we compare ourselves to others, and then we begin to think that other people are doing a much better job than we ever could. And, and so so we just sort of quietly back away, and before you know it, we're like we're not doing anything because we just think that people are other people are doing it better than we ever could. And so it's not so much that we grow weary, we just stop doing the good that we could be doing. And this is a fairly common problem, even in a church like ours. But we, friends, brothers and sisters, we cannot think this way. There's an error in that thinking. Paul is clear, and we see this in verse 5, that each One of us, every single one of us here, we have a responsibility, or Paul refers to it as a load, L-O-A-D, a a load. It's a responsibility to not grow weary in doing the good work that's been entrusted to each one of us by the Lord Jesus Christ, and that we are to do this with humility, with determination, and as we're going to see next with generosity, with generosity. We're going to look at uh, verses 6 to 10 in a big chunk. Um, The word money never shows up uh, in this section, but most commentaries agree that money was very much on Paul's mind when he wrote these verses. Nevertheless, the one who receives instruction in the word should share all good things with their instructor. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Whoever sows to please their flesh from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the spirit from the spirit will reap eternal life. Let us not become weary in doing good. For at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people. Especially to those who belong to the family of believers. So, Paul also wrote about the importance of churches providing the appropriate level of financial support for their teachers in some of his other letters. It was something that Paul wrote about quite frequently. We see this in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, we also see in 1 Timothy chapter 5. To the church, to the churches in Galatia, he simply instructed them to koinoneo, which is the Greek word to share here in this verse. Uh, he instructed them to koinoneo all good things with their teachers because their teachers were sharing all good things from God's word with them. Koinoneo just rolls right off the tongue, doesn't it? <clears throat> In the early years of our church, back when our name was Koinonia, church members made a commitment to John Alt. John, would you raise your hand? Right back there. He can still raise his hand. That's amazing. Well done. (laughs) Who's our first pastor? Church members, they made a commitment to John, and they made a commitment to John and his family. Jane, would you raise your hand? There's Jane. Raise your hand. There she is. They said that, and Harvey was involved with this, maybe even somewhat responsible. We can blame him. They said that even if we could not pay their full salary, they will never go without a meal and never go, out with, go without housing. Is that? Yep, yeah, there we go. It's, that's the truth. <clears throat> The church was small, but the generosity of these men and women was huge, it was huge. Their heart was big, and their vision was big, and their generosity. And I have to say, uh, 54 years later, nearly 54 years later, the same spirit of generosity prevails here. And though our name has changed, our church continues to nail. All good things with the teaching pastors, um, with our staff, and again, I'm just going to say thank you. Just going to take this moment to write out scripture. I'm just going to say thank you for um, putting into uh, obedience God's word here, verse seven. You see what it you see what it says um, about uh, about uh, don't be deceived. God cannot be mocked. You could also read that, don't fool yourselves, for God cannot be fooled. It's another way that you could read that. Some have been, uh, some perhaps were hoping to reap more than they had actually been sowing. Don't we all sometimes wish that that could happen, that we could reap a little bit more than we've actually been sowing? But God has established a universal principle. It's true in the life of all humans, and it's true in nature that says that a person reaps what they sow. Um, Anything um, beyond that is just God's sheer grace. Paul mentioned this principle using the exact same metaphor in 2 Corinthians chapter 9. You can see in verse 6 when he wrote, Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. And this is in the context of giving monetary gifts in that passage. Bankers and farmers understand this general principle well. Isn't this true, Ben. Yeah. Okay. Um, But the same principle actually applies uh, to spiritual growth. As Paul made clear in verse 8, whoever sows to please their flesh from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the Spirit from the Spirit will reap eternal life. Investing time and money in gratifying the desires of our sinful nature, will strengthen its will until it dominates ours and destroys us. Another universal law is what you feed grows. Anyone caught in the trap of gambling, substance abuse, pornography, or other addictive behaviors, or you know somebody who is, you know too well the destruction one reaps from sowing to please the flesh. We know this. The universal principle that it applies to every one of us, we reap what we sow. So I think it's just helpful to every now and then to reflect on the ways in which we are devoting our time and our money. And are there ways that we perhaps are investing way too much time or any time, and any money to please our sinful desires. So I'm just asking you, church, if God is saying anything to you, to listen, to pay attention to the work of God's Spirit in your life. And as was mentioned, if you would want to receive prayer Um, we would be really happy to pray for you. Also, I'm available, Aaron's available, Beverly's available. If you have a trusted friend that you would want to share any addiction with so that we could maybe help you gently be restored and be free, we would be very happy to do that. There's a positive side to this universal principle found in verse 8. Whoever sows to please the Spirit from the Spirit will reap eternal life. I love the idea that we have the ability to please the Spirit. Anybody thankful for that? We can please the Spirit. I love that. From the context of this passage, certainly one of the ways that we can please the Spirit is how we can use money that's been entrusted to us. It's very practical. Of course, we can also please the Spirit by the way we invest our time. But Paul here in this, in this uh, section, specifically in verses 9 and 10, I think gives us some additional ways that we can please the Spirit. Anybody want to please the Spirit? Yeah, well, here's some additional ways. Let us not become weary in doing good. For at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. Serving others. It's not always easy. It's certainly not always convenient. But it's a great way of pleasing the Spirit. And I believe, I may be biased, but I believe... That the Spirit of God is pleased with the good work that we are doing as a church in caring for the needs of others. I, I struggled with this section because there's way too much to list, um, so I'm just going to speak pretty generally here. We host block parties, we host blood drives, rummage sales, the annual back to school fair. We're a blessing, and we support local church school and their school children and their families. We provide space free of charge for lots of different um, community organizations. We've helped to resettle refugee families. This was our third one. We've sent aid to disaster relief across the globe. We support the spread of the gospel as far away as Indonesia and as close as the rehab and the local college uh, campuses. And, And I... I'm sorry if I left anything. I know I left so many ways in which we're serving others. I just was scratching the surface. And I think that the work that God's doing in and through this church is pleasing to the spirit. Um, I'm going to invite the musicians to come on up and and, um, begin to uh, lead us in worship. um, As I begin to wrap up here, I... uh, I really do believe that New Hope Community Church is a church that pleases the spirit by the way in which we tirelessly do good to all people, especially to those who are a part of this community. I get to see the ways in which we care for one another financially and uh, time and so many other ways. So thank you for all that you're doing to make this possible. Our hope and our prayer is that as we are dealing with some big issues, both internally and externally, that we will not grow weary in doing the good work of serving others in Jesus' name. Okay, so as I pick up the speed a little bit, because we're going to finish up, I have to um, get to the very end. So verses 12 to 15, I I don't really have to rehash this because we already have. Paul is actually going back uh, to this topic of circumcision, because of the pressure that was being put on them, we've rehearsed this over and over to conform to religious laws and traditions as a means for their salvation. And so he's just going to hammer it one more time on his way out the door. And um, so uh, religious people, we love to boast in our works of righteousness, but Paul remained determined. He said um, that he was not going to boast In any of his works of righteousness, but only in the Lord Jesus Christ and the work that he had accomplished on his behalf on the cross. And I hope and pray that that is where our boasting is too. Amen? As Paul emphasized over and over and over and over in Galatians, Christians don't work for their salvation. Rather, they work out their salvation as they receive and they celebrate the free gift of God's grace through faith in Jesus and by living a life led by the Spirit in service to others. This is our new life. Paul refers to it as the new creation. This is our new life. We are freed from sin, and we are freed now to love and to serve as we live our life in the Spirit. I have to say, I have to just wrap up to be true to the text And also to be true to you. To live this way cost Paul dear. His life would have been so much easier had he just remained a Jewish leader. Um, He would have been protected by the Roman Empire and all the perks. Uh, w- w- were associated with that or he, perhaps he, he could have gone along with what those Judaizers were wanting and been a Christian but also observing the law and, 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 uh, and appeasing um, what everybody else was wanting around them but because of his full devotion to Jesus and his relentless defense of the gospel, he endured fierce persecution. And as a result, he was left with, and he references in verse 17, he was referenced with physical scars on his body. Paul ended this letter with a reminder that following Jesus is never easy. If you're finding it difficult, it is because it is difficult to follow Jesus. This is why the Israel of God, as Paul referred to the global church in verse 16, needs everything that God has to offer his peace and his mercy and the grace of Jesus Christ with us both now and forever as we tirelessly and faithfully express our faith in Christ.